Good morning. I'm Andrew Gross. I'm one of the elders here I'm on staff for do a variety of things. Um, Tom, can you pray for me? That's our... Father, I thank you for the great diversity of gifts you place in this body that you've given us pastors and teachers and prophets, evangelists, apostles for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry that we'd all come to the fullness and the maturity of Christ. Father, we choose right now to receive this gift, this vessel you place before us, this uh, not just a shepherd but a teacher. Father, you know what's beyond these walls. You know the ministries we serve in. You know the schools, the neighborhoods we go to. We placed ourselves in a position. You said you received the one who sent. We received the one who sent. So, Father, we recognize this gift from you. Teach us, Father. Equip us. Show us what you've got. Use us. Use Andrew today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, I'm Andrew Gross. I'm an elder here, recently come on staff. I, I can't say I'm super excited to preach today. It's not a really good way to begin. But mo- mostly when I, when I do preach, I like, to, I like it to be sort of centered around something that's obviously good news. You know, one of those things that one of those messages people walk away like, yes, that's what I needed to hear. That was so good. And, and I am, instead, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, helping to wrap up the... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount series. Since February, early February, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes, and now we are going to be uh, wrapping it up. Next week, Pastor Ben, our youth pastor, he is going to be, uh, he's, he's our closer, and uh, uh, what he's going to say is, is it's, uh, it's really important and really powerful, and so we're letting him have that last little little bit of the of the message. And so to kind of get ready for that and to wind up what we've been doing. Uh, I, I have the privilege and honor, but I can't, can't quite say the pleasure, <laughs> of sharing a message that is, it's, it's potentially really bracing and really stirring. Uh, I hope you will open your heart and hear what God has to say anyways, because uh, I think what he has to say is really, really good. It's not necessarily easy, but it's really, really good. So uh, our message is uh, where this is the salt and light series. That's how Jesus framed the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that this is how we become salt and light, his salt and his light to the world. Today is uh, true discernment. We've had a whole series of messages, true relationships, true desire, true oneness, true words, true justice, true love, true devotion, true security, true serenity, true community last week. And now we're going to talk about true discernment. Uh, so I, I want to I talk about that word discernment for just a minute so we understand what we're getting into here. Uh, Webster's, uh, Webster says that true discernment, it, discernment is grasping and comprehending what is obscure. So in other words, uh, it's not obvious, it's not clear what, what you're supposed to understand, and so you have to kind of wrestle with it. Uh, the Oxford English Dictionary says it's the ability to judge well, to distinguish between w- distinguish with difficulty. In other words, figure out between two options that could both be correct, uh, but you, you, you have to struggle with it a little bit. And so this morning, we're going to struggle with it a little bit. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to read the whole passage. It's the uh, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, 
and we are going to start in verse 13. So Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read the whole thing at once, and then we're going to break it down sort of section by section. Chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, They are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You can see why I'm not super excited about preaching this. Um, I I, want to say one thing before we jump into this. This is all about discernment. It would be really easy to take this message and point it at other people. Other people sitting around you, other people in your family, a little elbow, your spouse, a little elbow to your kids. It would be really easy to do that. I would say that Jesus includes this in the end of his sermon not so that this can be a weapon to point at other people, but we can actually point it back at ourselves. So I want to frame it that way. Um, we're going to start. We're going to start by dealing with this whole idea of narrowness. If you look at me, look with me at verse thirteen and fourteen. This is what Jesus says: Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, I I gotta say this before I get into the meat of it, which is that there are a few Pharisees among us, and I I went for, for a season, I call myself a recovering Pharisee, for a season, I, uh, I, I was one of these people where, where you're kind of like, yeah, it's narrow. You're not going to make it. 
vacant. And, uh, um, <laughs> I, and I want to just say, if that's kind of your first reaction, and, and you're kind of like, well, I know I'm going through that gate. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going. Um, I, I want to say, if that's your first immediate reaction, just remember, Jesus' whole sermon is, is crafted against the Pharisees. It's crafted against the people who have that initial reaction of, yeah, get them, Jesus. Tell them how narrow it is. It's so narrow. You're not going to make it. Um, uh, so I, I, just, I, I just think, if, if that's your first reaction, just, you don't have to stand up and confess, but just check yourself. Think, you know, all right? Um, but I, I do want to talk about this whole idea of narrowness. It's totally against our culture. It's totally against where our culture is going. Our culture just keeps getting wider and wider and wider and wider. And uh, it's so easy to feel like, well, I guess that's where we got to go, too, if we're going to be relevant, if we're going to like make connections to the culture. Uh, and, and in spite of that, Jesus has this word that the gate is narrow. And... And, and many of us, even Christians, we object to the narrowness because we want the luxury of, of a wide, uh, you know, a wide door. You know, like, well, I just, you know, I want to fit through with all my eccentricities, and so that door better be wide for me. Uh, but, um, so it, it, there's something inside. I know I kind of internally, like, ugh, uh, when, I, when I think this phrase of narrowness. But we wouldn't really be faithful to what Jesus is saying if we were to go along with our culture and say, yeah, yeah, narrowness doesn't really matter. Let's go with the wideness. Uh, if we're going to be faithful to what Jesus is saying, we've got to include this narrowness. Um, now, there's a couple ways to see this, this narrowness, and, um, I, and I first want to remind you of the context here. This, is, this doesn't stand alone by itself. There was just a few verses before this. There was a, a beautiful picture of a gate and a door. Does anybody remember? It's just a few verses. You can even look. I'll let you cheat. There's this uh, amazing picture of, 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 of a door. It says, back in, you look back in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who receives, he who, uh, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus just gave this beautiful picture of this wide open door for those who knock. And, uh, and what he says here about the narrow gate doesn't negate that at all. Um, it, but but I, I want you to have that in mind. You know, Jesus frequently almost sounds like, if, if you pay very much attention to what Jesus says, it, it almost sounds like he's talking out one, of one side of his mouth one moment, and then he's talking out the other side of his mouth another moment. It often feels that way when you're reading scripture, like, He'll say something really harsh and stern, uh, and then the next moment he'll say something really sweet and gentle and kind, he, and, and you almost kind of like feel like you're being bounced back and forth. In fact, this morning that's happening. Uh, Hannah felt led to uh, read Psalm 23, one of the most ooeyest, gooeyest, you know, beautiful passages uh, of, of God's gentle, kind mercies to us, uh, you know, and, and so we heard that this morning, so he's sort of bracing us with his tenderness on the one hand, and then I have to bring this more stern stuff. Um, but, but Jesus does that all the time, and, and that's actually a good thing. That if, if, if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to grow in discernment, if you want to become more mature, you need to sort of accept both 
the ooey-gooey, lovey tenderness and sometimes and what's sometimes stern. Um, both of those are, are good. So, um, okay, I, I want to get back to this narrowness here. Um, something really interesting about narrowness. When something is narrow, it forces us, it reveals our real treasure. Narrowness reveals our real treasure. When you have to squeeze through something, it, when you have to inconvenience yourself, when you have to actually maybe sacrifice something to get through something, it actually reveals that you really want that. Does that, does that, does that kind of make sense? It's, uh, <clears throat> um, so so by, by revealing to us that this way into the kingdom of God, into the life of God, is narrow, that actually forces us to rethink, do, do I really want this? Is this really so important that I would actually inconvenience myself, that I would actually stir myself up, that I would actually, you know, suck in my gut and, and to be able to get through it? Uh, and, and, and that is really important for us and this whole sermon here is, is Jesus is pointing the spotlight into our hearts. And it's really important for us to, to, at this point here to say, am I really willing to go through the narrowness even if it's narrow in an uncomfortable way? Even if it's narrow in an inconvenient way? Even if it's narrow in a self-sacrificing way? Am I willing to go through that narrow gate? So that is really important that Jesus frames what he's about to say this way. So that's what I want to say about narrowness. Um, <clears throat> and, and what is the narrowness? Like, what is that actually, what's so narrow? Uh, especially, you know, when we, hear, we know how big God is. Like, what, what is the narrowness he's talking about? And, and I would say the narrowness, everything we, that, that you've just been hearing for the, if you've been paying attention to these sermons for, since back February 7th, I think, or February 9th, when we had the first one, uh, this whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, being salt and light, all of that describes that narrowness. Narrowness is the inner integrity of uh, true relationships, true desire. These are all the sermon titles here. True oneness, true words, true justice, true love, true devotion, true security, true serenity, true community. Um, it, it, when, true, when we went over true relationships, we talked about how uh, God doesn't, you shouldn't just, you shouldn't feel like you're right with God just because you avoided murder. Okay, yeah, good. Pat on the back, you didn't murder somebody. When in God's eyes, he's concerned about, in your heart, you hated somebody. And in God's eyes, that's just as bad when you hate somebody. So that's the narrowness. It's not just that you avoided a certain external behavior. It's that in your heart, you have an inner integrity before God to obey his commands. Or true desire, we talked about adultery. Just because you avoided um, an illicit affair with somebody else, great, pat on the back, but what most concerns God is that your heart is right with your spouse. That your heart is, uh, in, in his eyes, you are loving and committed to uh, your spouse. Or we talked about... Um, uh, you know, for example, uh, true oneness. Um, pat on the back if you didn't get divorced. That's really nice. 
but, but actually uh, what God is concerned about is that you have this inner uh, devotion to, um, to your spouse. So, so that's what the narrowness is. It's that inner integrity. Um, and, and this is the kind of integrity that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. If, if you go all the way back to chapter 5, I know I'm asking you to remember months and months back, but you go all the way back to chapter 5, Jesus had said, unless your righteousness exceeds the, Pharise- the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you, you won't be getting into heaven, unless it exceeds it. And his audience was like, what? How can you be more righteous than the scribes and Pharisees? They're like the most righteous people around. What Jesus was talking about was this inner secret integrity of the heart, this inner secret integrity of the heart. So that's what's so narrow about this gate. That's why the gate is so narrow, because he's talking about this inner integrity. Um, the, the world's way, and at the time the Pharisees' way, was that you just need to look like you're doing your duty. You just need to appear like you're doing your duty. You know, if you were in a court of law, there wouldn't be any witnesses who could say that you had failed in your duty. Uh, but in God's eyes, that doesn't matter. What God is looking for is that you're doing your duty from your heart before God. You're doing your duty from your heart before God. <clears throat> and so, so that's, that's, what, that's what that means. Um, again, I want to remind us, don't, don't turn these tests of discernment against other people. Avoid that temptation. Point... Let that light point to yourself. Um, all right. And, and by the way, this inner integrity, that's what makes, we, we said at the beginning of the sermon series, way, way back in February, we said that this is an inside-out, upside-down gospel. I don't know if anyone remembers us saying that. Inside-out, upside-down gospel. That's what's inside-out and upside-down about it. It's inside-out of the world's way and the, and the Pharisees' way of how it looks on the outside. And it's all about what's going on between you and God in your heart. Um, and, and we can't really be this new community that Jesus envisions unless we have this kind of inner integrity. All right, I'm going to move on to the next passage, this next part of the passage. Watch out, this is in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now, I want to just say a couple things about this. First of all, sheep's clothing. That means these false prophets are disguised. That means you can't tell by how people are dressed, by the color of their skin, by uh, what hair dye they have in their hair, what, how many nose rings they have, you can't tell on the outside by looking at them what, who, who's, a, who's a real prophet and who is a false prophet. You, you, you can't tell. We, we, we would love to be able to tell. That would be the church throughout history has been able, has lo- wanted long to, you know, if you just wear these clothes, if you're dressed up like that, if you avoid looking like that, then you're okay. Never been God's way. So I... I just want to start off by saying they are disguised, and that's where discernment comes in. That's why we have to grapple with what's obscure. We have to grapple and wrestle to comprehend, and that's a good thing. 
that's a really good thing that we can't tell by looking at somebody if they are a false prophet or a true prophet. It's good for you. It's good for me. The second thing I want to point out is this word ferocious. Ferocious. False prophets come to devour. They come to eat. And what that means generally is they come to a community to satisfy their own needs first before other people's needs. Before, instead of coming to contribute to a community, they're coming to take from the community, coming to eat of us, one of us. And again, I want to turn that back on, that light back on us. Am I a part of this community because I'm here to take something from you, to get something out of you, or am I here as part of this community to contribute? And, and I have to admit, even as, even as, a, as the preacher, um, this, it's, it's like a double whammy scary thing for me because I could, um, I, on one hand, it looks like I'm making this huge contribution. I'm bringing the sermon. I'm bringing the word. On the other hand, I have to admit, there's times I've struggled with, I want something from you. I, I want you to like my sermon so much, and I want you to come up to me afterwards and pat me on the back so much that I, 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 I want praise from you. I want acceptance from you. Does that, does that make sense? That, so, so often when we come even to contribute, sometimes it's mixed with a desire to eat from other people, to consume from other people. Um, all right, but I want, I want to keep moving on from this past, this, the next few lines here, verse, starting in verse 16. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I kind of condensed this down because Jesus uh, sort of turns this message, it turns these words kind of over and over. It keeps kind of reiterating the same thing. It's, this is so simple and so not complicated. The church for the last 2,000 years has, we've been, we've been great at trying to overcomplicate this thing and, oversim- or, and, and sorry, over-spiritualize this thing. And it's like really simple and it's like really clear. Um, <clears throat> throughout scripture, Throughout all Jesus' messages, throughout Paul's messages, the word fruit means actions. Fruit means your behavior, your deeds, what you do. Fruit is your actions. And, of course, based on the the rest of the context of of, uh, Matthew 5, it's not just talking about the deeds that other people can see you doing. It's talking about the the deeds that you do before that, oh, that the Lord sees, that no one else might be able to see, but the Lord sees into your heart. And he sees, he, he knows your actions that nobody else knows. Um, and so there, there are actions that come from the heart. Now, the thing about actions, the thing about our deeds, is that your actions reveal your heart better, they reveal the reality of your heart better than your words do. They reveal the, um, the reality of your heart better than your words do. That's why Jesus starts off saying, uh, he, he, he's talking about these false, uh, 
prophets, um, uh, and I'm going to talk about words in a minute, but, but, but basically, <clears throat> um, if we only paid attention to people's words, what they said, <clears throat> we would be incredibly led astray. Because your words, you could say anything you want. You could, you could make any sort of profession, any kind of sound or noise could come out of your mouth that you want, and it could mislead everybody. It might have nothing to do with what's actually going on in your heart. But your deeds, your actions, your behavior, more, much more faithfully reveals your actual heart, what's going on. So like, um, and uh, uh, actually our... Uh, Finance minister just uh, talked about this. Actually, you you could be, um, you could say, I really value giving to the poor. It's really important to me. It's really special to me. I really value that. And, uh, but if we were to look at your checkbook or your bank account statement, and there were absolutely no times that you sacrificed to give to the poor we would find out that your words did not reveal your heart. Does that, does that make sense? That when you said, when you professed with your mouth, I really just love giving to the poor. It's just so special to me. That, that, <clears throat> that actually wasn't true. That wasn't actually real. And so when Jesus here says, uh, you will recognize them by their fruit, what he's saying here is, don't pay attention to the words of the prophet. Look at what they do. Look at their actions. Are their actions revealing what they really believe, what's really going on between them and God? All right? So, and again, let's turn that spotlight on ourselves. Don't just point it out at, you know, like, another nudge. Oh, wow, I saw what you were doing. Um, point, let's point that spotlight back at ourselves. Um, now, all of, all of the, what I've said is leading up to what I find to be one of the most fearsome statements in all of Scripture. Uh, verse uh, 21, starting verse 21, <clears throat> where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one, only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. So I find this really fearsome because, of course, I don't know about you, but a whole bunch of objections rise up in my head. Like I think of Romans... 10 verse 9 that says, uh, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Or I think of what Paul wrote in um, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, where he says, um, nobody can say, Lord, Lord, and you know, basically that's the Holy Spirit's inside them, prompting them. And I, I think about those and I'm like, well, if, if, if it's not a true test of my genuine faith in Christ to be able to say, Lord, Lord, I mean, isn't that better than, like, the atheist who just was like, I'm not going to call you that. You know, isn't, that, isn't it better that I called him Lord, Lord? Like, what's going on here, God? I mean, it, 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 to be honest, it, I mean, it, it freaks me out. <laughs> when, when Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, well, then who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven if it's not everyone who says, Lord, Lord? Well, <clears throat> I... I I don't want you to, to be, have undue disquiet about this. I don't want you to, on the one hand, I don't want you to be um, afraid of this passage and keep this keeping you up at night. On the other hand, if you have false peace about your relationship with God, I don't want you to have, I don't want you to have that false peace. Um, that's not going to do you any good. <clears throat> so the reality is, on that day, when Jesus returns... There will be people, according to this passage, who are surprised that they weren't right with God. And as much as it terrifies me to admit that, again, I wouldn't be faithful to what Jesus is saying if I didn't talk about this, that on that day, some people will be surprised. And they will, say, they will point to what they thought was the fruit of their life. Like it says here, um, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not drive out demons in your name? Did I not perform miracles in your name? They're going to they're point to that stuff and said, but, say, but Jesus, I was doing that in your name. Like, I, was, I wasn't out, uh, you know, killing Christians. I wasn't out spreading a false religion. I wasn't out doing things like that. I, I, I w- How is that going to be? So, a few little clues to kind of get us into what Jesus could be talking about here. First of all, prophets. He said, people are going to say to him, Jesus, did we not prophesy in your name? Jesus just talked about false prophets. He just talked about people who come into congregations and who uh, maybe sound really good, but the fruit of their action is not, the, the fruit of their life shows that they don't really walk with God. Okay, so he just addressed those false prophets. Um, So it's possible who Jesus is talking about here uh, in verse 26 is, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 22 is, that's part of who he's talking about is false prophets. Um, Second little clue here is that um, Jesus reiterates the earlier point, your deeds, your actions, the fruit of your life, that reveals your heart. And, I, and I, this is going to sound really weird, in a spe, especially in a church like ours. In a church like ours, we love the miracles, we love the healings, we love, we love to see demons get driven out, we love to hear prophecy, we love that stuff in this church, and that's a good thing. And this is really hard to say, but guys, that's not fruit. Prophecies, miracles, it's good stuff. It's good stuff that can push the kingdom of, for, the kingdom of God forward, It's not fruit. What Jesus calls fruit here in this verse, it says, um, but only he, in verse 21, only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Doing the will of God is the fruit. Obedience to what God has called you to do. Obedience to the two simple commands. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. And the, other, the next command, which is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Obedience to those commands, that is fruit. 
again and again throughout Scripture, that's the fruit Jesus is talking about. Um, And so prophecy, miracles, driving out demons, healings, good stuff. We want that stuff. Keep doing that stuff. And that's not the fruit Jesus wants in your life. And, And then here's the final key to this. The final clue is the word Jesus knows, Jesus uses here in verse 23. Then um, I will tell them plainly, I never knew. I never knew you. There's a lot of people, a lot of even Christian ministers, a lot of people who even build big fancy careers, in famous careers in Christian ministry who don't know Jesus, who don't walk with that intimate arm-in-arm, arm-around-shoulder, intimate connection with Jesus. And they're, they're, they're doing their ministry. They might even be performing miracles. They even seem to have the anointing for the miracles. And they're not walking with Jesus as their friend, as their Savior, as their Lord, as their husband. And so what this whole passage, this whole sermon, that Je- when, when Jesus was talking about, you know, contrasting, you know, the, the Pharisees want you to just be happy that you didn't murder somebody, but I want you to actually love people in your heart. When Jesus is contrasting those two ways that, that whole time, he, he's calling, he, on this side, he's saying, this is what it's like to know me. This is what it's like. When you know me, you're going to have, you're going to have my heart, you're going to have my love poured into you. You're going to feel what I feel. You're going to see people with my eyes. You're going you're to actually annoying people. You're actually going to love because you're going to have my love in you. Um, and, and, and when you know me, Jesus is saying, you're, you're, you're going to know, you're going to see how beautiful the Father is, and you're actually going to like him because he's so beautiful and so wonderful. So Jesus is in this message here, this, this, this bracing, stern conclusion to his Sermon on the Mount. He is calling us to know him. He is calling us to know him. So it all comes down to knowing Jesus, and the way that we know that we know him is are we walking in his will? Are we doing his will? Now, as some of you are going to say, that's against, that's, that's uh, works righteousness. That's um, earning your way to God's favor. No, it's not. You already have God's favor on the cross. The cross through the cross, Jesus bestowed his favor to you, included you into his, his kingdom, caused you to be born again. You already have his favor. Now he wants you to grow in doing his will. Uh, 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 if, if the seed of God is actually inside of you, it's going to bear the fruit of doing his will. It's going to bear the fruit of doing his will. So he's calling us to know him, to know him. And so uh, in this, this uh, song we're about to sing, it's, uh, this, is, this is really cool. It's called Knowing Him. I didn't actually ask the worship team to put this on. Uh, the Holy Spirit actually led Brenda like, to decide to do this all independently of me, and I was like, whoa, that's freaky. Um, like, that's the point of my whole sermon. <laughs> whoa. Um, it, um, if, if you recognize that you need to walk... Uh, first off, there, I know there's people in this room who don't know Jesus yet. There has to be. Anytime you gather a crowd of people this size together... You can count on there being people who don't know Jesus yet. 
if you don't know Jesus, now is the time to come to him, lay your life before him, say, I, I bow my knee before you, I call you Lord. I don't just say it with my words, Lord, I, but I believe in my heart. You are the Lord. You're my master. You get to decide what, I want, what you want to do in my life. You are in charge of my life. I give my life to you. Now is the time to do that. Kids, I know there's some of you who have been, you may have been raised in this church from infancy, and you know all the right words to say. You know what makes your parents smile. You know what makes the Michonne, the children's minister, smile. That's great. But do you have that inner integrity of your heart where you know you are right with God and you have God's approval and his love for you and you are walking in his will? Now is a great time to bow down your knee and surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you might want to come forward and do that. Um, some of you might want to just do that in your seats. Um, okay, and maybe you say, Andrew, I, long ago I, I gave my life to Jesus, but, but you rec- recognize that there's a difference right now between your inner integrity and, and your deeds, and, and you need to close that gap. Cry out to God. It, the, 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 what, you're, what you're missing is because you have further to go in knowing him. He, he wants you to know him even more. Okay, you might think, I, I know Jesus, been there, done that. If, if that's your attitude, no, you don't. Right. Uh, come and give your heart to him all over again. Come and ask to go deeper. Come to be even, come, ask him to be even more intimate um, now. So, so now, is, now is the time. Um, we're going we're gonna to sing this song, and um, yeah, and I'll close us in a few minutes. Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, if any in this room don't yet know you, you would be putting on each heart that sense of urgency. It's time. It's time to be reconciled to you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, even even if you have to hunt after and hound after people all throughout the day and this week, Lord, please Chase down everyone in this room so that all here might know you. Pray that now, Lord. And and all of us, I think we all know we need to know you more and know you more deeply, that you could become our all, you could become the best, you become our joy, our righteousness. Holy Spirit, please hunt us down, hunt us all down, Lord we might be fully consumed with knowing you. We might walk in the way that pleases you and love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love one another. May your grace go with us all now, Lord. We ask this all in your name. Amen.